Today is uh, a continuation of a series of messages that Pastor Ken has established for us to be thinking about, and this is step three this morning uh, on Go 2020. It's uh, what we're going to look at, but step one is prayer, and that was two weeks ago. You prayed uh, and uh, began the series, and at the end of the service, many of you came up and put a name on a ball, and we've been praying for these balls, and uh, that person you're praying for is one to come to Jesus, and so we have these all around here. There's about 600 of them. I counted two basketfuls of over 300, so two more makes it over 600. Good math. And the uh, step number two came last, last Sunday when Pastor Devin gave this message on care. That's the second step when we start praying for someone and then we start caring for them. And he made the strong emphasis to care so much that they'll begin, the person you're praying for will begin asking, why are you caring so much? And today is uh, step three, share. And Pastor Ken asked me to preach this sermon today. He knew it would be gone in Cambodia. And he made the comment to me, he said, you know, Jim, you have shared your faith a lot, haven't you? That was a rhetorical question. He knew the answer. I said, yes, I have shared my faith a lot, and I would love to preach that message. So here I am today, and I can be very honest with you and tell you that, yes, I have shared my faith with well over thousands of people. And I haven't counted them, but in 52 years, traveling through at least 13 states on that walk across America, and I was sharing my faith then, uh, and then also speaking and teaching in 14 different countries around the world and through one of our missions. And I could do a sidelight there. My wife calls it rabbit trails. She said, don't go on a rabbit trail. I, have, I call it a rabbit hole. I just go straight down. I'll skip that part. But I, just to say that, yes, I have, I have, I've worked with uh, students and been in Russia and Turkey and Ukraine. Those are popular names on the politi political front today. But I've been there. I've worked with the students and shared my faith. However, I have to share with you something that's very honest. Is it okay for a pastor to be honest? Uh, I, I have shared my faith with thousands of people as a professional. Now, I have a doctor of ministry, so you can call me Dr. Jim. I'm a pastor, Pastor Jim. The students call me Professor Jim. I, that's professional. And I've shared with thousands of people professionally. They've invited me to share. I'm on assignment to share, and so I share. That's fairly simple. Now, the tough part this morning, I'm going to take the names off of me. I'll be Jim, okay? Just say, hi, Jim. Hi. All right, now we're on the same plane. Uh, forget the doctor, forget the professor, forget all of that stuff. I am just a person. And to let you know that I'm a person, uh, I have to say that, yes, there's a lot of that in me, the professional part. And I get excited about that. And when he said, could you preach today? I'd, yes, I'd love to preach today. But if he said, would you share your faith with somebody on the street? That's harder for me. Just flat out harder. But I, I, I am a, a person who dreams dreams and dreams visions. And uh, I, I see these balls. And I, I would love to invite you 
to pray with us on Wednesday night at six o'clock here in this room. And then on Friday night in this same room, we have prayer people coming in praying for you and these people. Join us. Uh, but if nobody comes, in fact, this week we had the five of us on Friday night. I wasn't discouraged that all of you did not come because I'm a realist. I was raised on a farm. Do you want to re just meet the real Jim? All right. Uh, put the slide up. You'll see. There I am. I was raised on a farm. My family business was grain, and we had to harvest it every summer. At age 14, I was chosen uh, to be the harvest driver. That sounds incredible. Well, it is. We had hundreds of acres of grain, and that harvester cuts about 16 feet wide as I'm going through the field. You know how long it takes to harvest a field of 100 acres of grain at 16 feet? I was 14 years old when I started, and I was very discouraged. And uh, I, I, didn't, I was discouraged even more when I went to a field of 500 acres. And I just thought to myself, I'll never finish this. I'll be old and gray and bald or something. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so that's, that's the real me. But I, on, that, on, that, on that field, I became a, a realist. Sitting out there in the Central California heat, driving all day long as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16, seven years I, I harvested, har harvested my way through Bible college. And, and it was just interesting that I had a dream. <laughs> I can dream. I had an exciting dream. You want to see my dream? Here we go. There it is. I would have help. Yes. Oh, and I had even more dreams. Another help. There more. You yeah, look at that. And the biggest help was this. A big dream. Wow. Look at that. That's called a revival on the harvest field. And I could dream. They never came. I encouraged my dad. He said, Jim, we're broke. So I understand one at a time. I'm going to call you at the close of this message to come. You can all come, but I don't expect one can come, two, sometimes four. You can come to pray. But this morning, I want to say as we talk about Go 2020, it's, I just say to you, whether you come or whether you connect with this message, welcome, brother, welcome, sister, to the harvest field. It's exciting, and we need more. And so today, it's time to share, yes. And I go back in time. There's a guy named St. Francis of Assisi who had some incredible words. He said, preach the gospel at all times. That means, actually, how do you preach the gospel at all times as a sharer? You actually, you live out the gospel so people can see the story of Jesus. They can see Jesus in you. And then he adds, when necessary, use words. So we're going to talk about sharing today, and we're going to talk about using words. But I love what the Apostle Peter said as a rookie. He was a fisherman, remember now, not a harvest driver, but he was a fisherman. And he stood up on the day of Pentecost and said, listen carefully to what I say. Listening is a major part of sharing. And so he was inviting them to listen. And what happened that day, it was incredible. If you've been in the church a long time, you know what happened that day. It was incredible because they did listen. They heard him talking. And he spoke in a way that God blessed mightily. Several 
hundreds. In fact, the Bible says 3,000 people responded and said, what must we do to be saved? What must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. He didn't know much. And uh, 3,000 were baptized that day. That church exploded. And listening is a beginning part of this. So today, we're going to talk about listening. And, and uh, you have on your seats a card. And uh, we want you to step number one is to write your story of faith. Write your story. Now, maybe you say, I don't have a story. Well, today at the end of the service, come on up. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus so you can begin your story. Or a story is developing. I took mine and I, I filled out on computer. I was just hurrying this. And I thought, if I'm going to say you should write 300 words on your story, I need to just rip through my story and see how many words I can get. And I knew it as a preacher, I needed to make this quick. So I was just typing as fast as I could. Went through my story. I've shared my story different times in, as a profession, a professional, but I don't always share it with people that I meet on an airplane. And so I was just going through, and I finished because I was finished hurrying. And I, I just wondered when I, I looked down and Microsoft has to, a word count, I stopped at 300 words right on the nose. I knew a revival was beginning any time. Uh, I, I could never do that again. Uh, I wouldn't even try. But so sketch out something. Don't do it now. But if you're thinking about your, your story and want to jot down a thought, you can jot that down. But I want you to stay with me this morning on this. But that's, first of all, write your 300-word story, and uh, make sure that uh, this, the second step is really to include God in your story. Uh, where did God fit in? Uh, you were maybe early on, you didn't have faith. Maybe you were raised not in the church. I was raised in the church. I never knew anything different, but I still had to meet Jesus, and so there was a point where I met Jesus and a point where I surrendered my life, and I think I surrendered it many times. Is that experience... By anybody, you've been through, through surrender after surrender after surrender. And I'm not sure how I'm even done now. And the Lord keeps calling me more. And I, whoa. And then the, the last part of that story, you can go through, uh, in fact, some slides that will include this. Uh, it starts with, yes, God loves us. We're loved. God's a loving God. There's another part that says we sin. And fallen short of God's glory. So we're separated and we can't get to God. We try all the religious stuff in the world. That doesn't get us to God. Religion won't work. A relationship is what it's all about. And, and the relationship was when God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And then there's hope. We can cross that bridge. And you can do this. You can write that thing out on a napkin if you're in, in, at, having lunch with somebody and sharing your, your story. Just scribble it out. You can do that. And so step number two is to make sure you include God's story in your story. And step number three is to make sure you listen to others. You start sharing by listening. I love what James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 1, verse 19. Be quick to what? Say it louder. Say it so loud I can't hear. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, you need to learn how to listen, though. You need to learn how to listen. You listen, first of all, according to communication experts. This is one of the things I teach in, in Europe and teach when I travel, as how to communicate. And the first step is you listen with your eyes. You listen with your eyes. 
58% of our listening is with our eyes. So right now I'm listening to you as I, as I communicate. I'm talking, but I'm listening to you because my eyes tell me that uh, you're looking at me. That's good. Uh, sometimes I can watch and you may be uh, sitting there like this. What's that tell me? Uh, either you, don't, you like to sit like that or you're resistant. Uh, body language is huge in communication. Body language is everything. And uh, as I told you before, shared this with friends, that when one, one place I preached often, uh, an attorney, a good friend was there, and he would be sitting there, and I'm preaching along, and he's going, what did that tell you? What did that tell me? <laughs> Evidently, we're not connecting on that point. And uh, so it's listening with your eyes is really important. And I'm, I'm listening to you now. And I'll share a story at the close of the message where I, I watch people. And if they are, you know, sitting back like this, that's one thing. But they move forward on their chair. Wow. They lean forward and want to hear more. They, sometimes they're listening and they had their Bible. They close their Bible and just listen. Okay, we're connecting. That's listening with my eyes, but you also listen with your ears, and that's tone. 35% of communication is tone. And so you can be talking to somebody, and they say, is that, re- is, is that really right? Well, that tells me we're not getting through here. Uh, and maybe they would say, oh, that's real. I just love what you're saying. Okay, we're connecting. And so the tone is everything. 93% of communication, of listening with eyes and ears is without words. We make words really, really, oh, I can't say the right thing. I hardly ever say the right thing. Now, if it's scripted, which this morning I scripted this message, I never script messages. But you know how long I can talk without a script? <laughs> I, I know myself, so I'm, I'm scripting it. And so it's important to make sure you realize that words, yes, they're important, but uh, here's, here's where the, the words come in. I, I, love, I love stories, and I think everybody loves stories. Well, maybe not everybody. But when I preach, I love to tell stories. And people remember the stories more than the sermon. Is that bad? No, if the message is embraided in, into that, uh, that story, uh, then it's good. And sometimes, years later, somebody will see me and say, oh, I remember that great message you preached. They remember the story. Not the message, but they remember the message and the story. So the stories are important. And uh, yes, in fact, this is a quote from the third edition of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Jack Canfield and Mark Hansen, the authors, they wrote this as a, as a consideration of encouraging you when you get defeated and feel, feel like people are against you. They said this, and I quote, when we wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, it was turned down by 33 publishers before Health Communications agreed to publish it. All the major New York publishers said it is too nicey-nice, and nobody wants to read a book of short little stories. That's not true. They didn't add that, I did. Going on, since that time, they said, over 7 million copies. This is many, many editions ago. Seven million copies of Chicken Soup for the Soul, a second helping of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul cookbook have been sold worldwide and the books translated into 20 languages. That's astounding. That's a long time ago that was said. So I think stories have a bearing on our 
sharing our faith. How many have a story in your faith? How many have a really exciting story in your faith? How many have a tragic story? And if you shared your story, you'd cry. Tear. Yeah, that's great. That's the story you want because they want to see your heart. And one person even said this about the Bible. As I look at the 66 books of the Bible, I see more than half of its pages are in story or narrative form. Now, as a Bible student, I think that's fascinating. I th- interesting. Nearly three-quarters, the person said, of the New Testament are in story form, including 90% of the four Gospels. The four Gospels really are a lot of stories, a lot of stories. And today we're going to look at the world's greatest storyteller and who do you think that is or was? Who's the greatest storyteller ever living? What's his name? I don't hear well. well. Okay, we're kind of in agreement on that one. It's Jesus, is that right? You say, well, everything in the church is Jesus. No, it's not. This one is. That's the answer. Jesus, he's a storyteller, and when he wasn't telling a story, he was creating a story. (laughs) He became the story, and they tell the story. John wrote about the story, which we're going to look at this morning. And so that's what we're going to move to in this message, looking at the story of, of Jesus and how he told this story. And how he lived the story out. And the story is in John chapter 4. And what I've done this morning, I've decided I'm going to put this in print. It's on, on the screen. And I appreciate all the work that our staff at the church does. This takes time to put all this stuff on, on, this, on the screen for you. But we're going to go through this. And so you can open your Bibles if you want. But I'm going to read the story out of John chapter 4 in the NIV. And so to be together in this uh, You're going to see it on the screen. You can follow with me. But it starts with, uh, the first step is that he, he, it says that he had to go through Samaria, chapter 4, verse 4. Now, did Jesus really have to go through Samaria? It's a verse that in uh, the word had to go through Samaria, in the Greek text, it means he, of necessity, he had to go through there. Well, geographically, he really didn't. If he wanted to go fast, he'd go through Samaria, yes. From Judea to Galilee was where he was headed. Yes, he'd speed through. But often the Jews went around uh, Samaria. And so it says that he's he's in a hurry, or maybe he went through Samaria because I'm just guessing he could have been on a mission. He had to. You ever had to do something? You just, people say, why are you doing that? I don't know, I just have to do it. And sometimes it's God Almighty putting a prompting upon you to have to do something. And I think the Lord was prompted to go through because he was going to meet somebody. And it starts out in this, so we see four different things. The first one is Jesus asked a question to open up his storytelling. That's a great way to begin questions. The question that he asked, and it's in chapter 4, verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Very interesting beginning. It's a question. And questions really are a quick way to begin a relationship of just connecting. And Pastor Devin preached on the good, what was it last Sunday? The good Samaritan. And I'm just perchance today preaching on the woman at the well who is a Samaritan. 
Now, now, did we confer on this? Not at all. I forgot all about what he had said. Now, I didn't forget his sermon, but I forgot. And it dawned on me when I was drawn to this story. I thought, hmm, that that's, catches me whenever something just happens. You know, when it, doesn't that do that for you? It just so happened. It just so happened. And for me, it doesn't just so happen. It means God's in doing something. God's involved in some way. And somehow God wanted us to see again about the Samaritan. And Devin did a great job in preaching about the Samaritans and the Jews. Well, that's the situation. We've got obstacles in this story already. The fact that that's a Samaritan woman and a Jewish man, religion separates them, race sets them, and separates them, and gender separates them. They're separated. This is not the best situation. If I want to say, we're going to begin sharing, and I give you three obstacles right away, that's that's not the way you start. Well, this is Jesus now. And he's going to show us how to share our faith with a total stranger. Glenda and I will fly a long flight soon to Europe to teach. We'll be in Austria, then we'll move to Belarus, again another flight, and we'll be on planes with people. And it's not that easy. Some of these don't speak English. That's hard. And Jesus is help encourages us. So you start by saying, okay, questions are good. And then the woman shared her story. Uh, the, Jesus then answers the story with his story and God's story. And then the woman shared her story with others. That's a fascinating summary of John chapter 4. But let me just break it down. And I'm going to read this and make comments as I go because it's powerful. It was so powerful I thought if I try to share this, it'll take a while. But I'm going to read it. And just like just sit back, relax. I'm going to read a story to you. Make comments along the way. I love telling stories inside of my head my little head, for years, what did you do on the farm all day long when you went around in circles? I've thought, and I created, I had different worlds I could go to in my head. I can travel all, I can create anything. And so with children growing up, I, I created some stories, at bedtime stories. Ever heard the stories of Herman the hamster? Friends of Bumpy the bear? Ronnie the Rhinoceros, Happy the Hippo, all just great stories. And so here's this beginning of the stories. And Jesus is picking a tough subject. And so it begins with chapter 4, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. She recognized right away, this is uh, it's not going to work. <laughs> What's he doing here? So Jesus answers her in verse 10. He answered, if you, and this is powerful, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He introduces himself there. He's unusual. I am really special, he's saying. And I can give you living water. He's introducing some strange situations for a woman he's never met. And... Uh, the woman says uh, in 11, verses 11 and 12, Sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. She's, tra- she's practical. Okay, she's, how are you going to do this? 
Where can you get this living water? That intrigued her. Are you greater than our father Jacob? She introduces religion now. Who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answers now. This is profound. (laughs) He said, amen. (laughs) Profound. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Wow. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So she responds back in verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. She's practical. Why be thirsty? If he's got this water, I'll take it. And then she's very practical, and and I have to keep coming here to draw water. (laughs) So she's going to save trips to the well by this living water. Oh, this is great, but this is mysterious. And then Jesus interjects just a simple statement. He says, oh, go call your husband and come back. She responds, and this is a powerful thing. If you're sitting in an airplane and this is going on, you're going, well, this is really exciting. <laughs> this is really great. And uh, they have to speak the same language, and they're going back and forth. And what's he say? She says, I have no husband. So Jesus responded and said, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you na- now have is not your husband. What you have said is, is quite true. If you're the woman at the well, what are you doing by this time? (laughs) You're covering up. Somehow he's invaded your life. Have you ever met somebody who just knows all about you and you never met them before? They read you really well. Or somebody's been telling. And she doesn't know what is going on now. She feels invaded. And so she says, this is amazing how this develops. It's probably speeding it up so we can actually preach it in a service. But it's just amazing. In verse 19 and 20, she says, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. (laughs) Okay, she's got him in a different realm. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She's back to religion, and she's divided again. And that's when Jesus does something incredible. He just continues talking. Woman, in verse 21, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And then he keeps talking. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. He's introduced salvation now from the Jews. All this is going on. This is a short thing, but it's fascinating. And then verse 23, he keeps going. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And I don't know what's going on inside her mind yet, but something is really happening because he's introducing things that are really, really deep. I mean, really personally relational. He says in verse 24, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman now responds, and this is profound. Just, you want to say, oh, 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 wow. Let's say it together. Wow. She responds and says, I know that Messiah. She's introducing the idea now of Messiah, a Jewish concept called Christ is coming. 
When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Was she thinking about the Messiah? Evidently, he has tripped some nerves, and she knew about this idea, and she was intrigued, and she's wondering now, am I, who am I really talking to? He knows what's going on in my life, and I've been invaded, and I'm, 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 I'm still talking to him, and I'm not running away, and I'm intrigued by this man. Who really are you? And what Jesus, he doesn't, she doesn't ask that. But she's asking it. That's, again, listening with the eyes, okay, listening with the ears. She hasn't said, who really are you? But in her heart, she's saying that. And so verse 26, then Jesus declares, this is the first time in the Gospels he said this, confession who he is. It's the first time he does it to a Samaritan woman, a woman, a Samaritan. How how dare he? He should have come to the Jewish people and first announced to them. Well, no, Jesus doesn't really care about race and religions and all that stuff. He cares about you. He doesn't care where you've been in life. He cares about you. He doesn't care all the things that you may say are preventing you from really getting close to you. No, he cares about you so much that he will cross the barriers and the bounds and he will come to you. He'll invade your life. He wants to draw you to him now and forever. That's his desire. At the close of this time this morning, I'm going to invite you to say, and I'll say, come. And that's what he's saying. Come to me. Come to me. And so here is what he says. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And all God's people said, Wow. This is, yeah. He's introducing himself to her as the Messiah, and she says then, she goes back to towns, and she says, come see a man who told me everything I ever did, number one. Could this be the Messiah? She's, she's thinking seriously, this is, this is the one. They came out of the town and made their way toward him because he, she saw him and told them about him, and they wanted to go meet him. That's called sharing your faith. You see what's going on here? The Lord is saying, Jim, this is possible for everybody here. We can all share our faith. You say, well, I'm not Jesus. Well, invite him into your life. Live with him every single day. And they say, if you hang around somebody long enough, you're going to become like that person. And I would say, walk with Jesus every day. When people ask me the question about walking across America, what did you do all day? And the spiritual answer is, I walked with Jesus all day long. Wow. No, that's not really what I meant. I meant I needed him every moment of the day. And I just, I was memorizing scripture, memorized Philippians on that walk. I was with him. I did, and do I look like him? No, but, no, but I, I understand him better. And I want people to see Jesus in me. And I think that's what she's saying. Come, come, come and see. And so they came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. In verse 40, it says, he stayed two days. Jesus stayed two days with the Samaritans. They're, they're, they're the bad guys. Two days out of his three years he spent with them. And because of his words, many more became believers. Words, St. Francis of Assisi, sometimes are necessary because of words. And they said to the woman, I love this is the close. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Praise 
Jesus. That's my goal. That's sharing my faith. Just in closing this part of the message, I just remember one time when I was sharing my faith, which I I do often in a professional way. I'm preaching. I was preaching in a little town, Dinuba, California, on Sunday. I was a young minister, a youth minister, but sometimes churches needed somebody, a replacement guy come in, so I came in. And I was preaching this story, and I I, I closed this, in the message, and I preached this story on my, on my, my most pivotal moment in my life at that time, uh, losing my mom when I was 10 years old. And if you've been in the church, you know this story. Suddenly on Christmas Eve, uh, 1956, she was making cookies, collapsed, and died that quick. I mean, this is talking about one of the greatest saints I mean, I'm partial, but one of the greatest saints ever walked the face of this earth. And I was 10 years old in the church. I didn't know what. I went through all kinds of stuff, and I won't go into that. But I was preaching that sermon that morning, and I noticed something happened. And this is the first time. I'd shared that before, that story, but I'd never had seen this before. A man was sitting back, had his Bible like this. He closed the Bible and leaned forward. I thought, wow, I've not seen that before. And others who had been kind of yawning or whatever, they were not yawning. They were looking straight at me. I had undivided attention. Everybody was looking. I saw that, and I I thought about it later. I thought, what happened? What happened was I shared my heart. And when I share the stories, yes, it was 63 years ago. I'm 73 now. Am I over it? I can share that story, and I can still get teary inside. That changed my life. Yes, I was mad at God. There's a lot to this story, but tears, struggle, that's part of your story. Get Get that out. What you're going through right now is part of the story. Some of you are facing some stuff that's challenging physically, facing other things in the family. That's that's part of your story. And so this morning as we come to our time of communion, as we come to a point in in the service where we will close with a song. I'm just going to say, come. Come. I want you to come to be prayed for. You can come up here and some of the leaders will be here. You can pray with them or you can just come and kneel and pray. As we're having communion, you can do that. The communion reminds us of Jesus, his shed blood, his body they gave for us on the cross. And so, yes, you can come. Music's going in the background. Uh, you can come. You can come and ask for prayer. You can come and pray. And maybe you want to grab one of the balls and pray for somebody or just have your own heart to pray. Just come. And maybe you need to come and not just pray but to, to care for somebody. Maybe you come up here and you say, yeah, these people up here a lot. I see these elders and these elders' wives and these leaders. They, they really struggle. Leading a church like this is really not simple. There's challenges Give them a hug. Say, I appreciate you guys, you people. Pray with them. Hug them. Care for them. They'll cry. That's all right. And then share. If you don't have a message yet, just I'll be here at the front. Come and talk to me. I, I can introduce you to Jesus, and you'll have a story. It'll start today. Invite him into your life. But share your story with somebody. Just come and share. Come. Come to Jesus. I'm going to pray. And then we'll begin.
to coming to Jesus. And Father, I just pray right now. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the privilege of sharing the story of our faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are so real. That's an amazing story, Lord. You would take a woman, a Samaritan woman, and the first one that you've introduced yourself to, and thank you for the struggling ones here this morning. I pray that they would come. If they feel distant, unloved, they'll come. We can't fix anything here, but we can introduce anybody to Jesus. And Lord Jesus, you can fix anything. So as we move into communion, Lord, I just pray that you bless us as we come. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.